Well, hello, church. I want to welcome everybody across our network. It was last weekend that we wrapped up a four-week conversation around how we live in the freedom that Jesus gives us. And this weekend and next weekend, we're taking time to revisit a conversation that we started in January that centers around the idea of bold moves. And this is an exciting time for us as a church because we're talking about how God is working in and through us and where he's calling us next to take and and make bold moves of obedience. And the idea of a bold move is simply this courageous, selfless, God-honoring action. You could call it a step of faith, but it's where we risk beyond recovery, but not beyond his cover. And every time we do that, we experience breakthrough. It can be in our personal life. It can be in our professional journey, maybe in an area of addiction or doubt or worry or any other complication that gets in the way of our relationship with God. Bold moves lead to breakthrough. In fact, one of the things we said before, and we'll say it again, is that most of us are one bold move away from a breakthrough. That's your first feeling if you want to track along with your note guide today. That most of us are one bold move away from a breakthrough. Just one bold move. One step of obedience. Now, whatever your bold move is and wherever that leads you, the reality is that it's the power of God that is brought to bear as a direct result of that bold move that changes everything. Lots of people try things, and many people risk, but it is the power of God that comes in direct response to the bold move of obedience that changes everything. And most of us are just one bold move away from a breakthrough. See, whether you know it or not, God desires to see each of us have breakthroughs, to actually live into who he created us to be in the first place. And it was the Apostle Paul who had this in mind when he wrote these words in Philippians chapter 1. He said, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He's talking about God and God's desire to see us experience and and work through breakthroughs in our life. And we're going to see today that most often that only comes once we step in bold moves. Bold moves of obedience. You may know this or not, but when I was a kid, I wanted to be a marine biologist. I wanted to explore the ocean. And so I spent a lot of time reading and studying. Actually, Jacques Cousteau is a famous oceanic explorer, he became one of my heroes. And I started training myself in my bedroom to hold my breath as long as I could, because I heard that his dive team could hold their breath as long as, like for an extended period of time, and I wanted to be ready in case he called. And so I worked my way up to like two and a half, maybe almost even three minutes sometimes, but I was just chilling in my bed. I wasn't swimming, so it's a different kind of scenario. But I was working my way towards it, because I wanted to be a marine biologist. And in that journey, I actually developed a love and an affinity for dolphins, Not these dolphins, the Miami dolphins, but rather the mammal dolphins, the bottlenose dolphin. Because these are amazing creatures. Just the fact that they have a perpetual smile makes them endearing, right? But they're just amazing creatures. But I remember being in Florida as a kid at a restaurant, looking at the menu and reading that dolphin was on the menu. And I was devastated. I, I was so traumatized, I ran out of the restaurant crying and sobbing. By the time my mom caught up to me and my aunt caught up to me and they asked what was going on, I explained that they were serving dolphin on the menu. And my aunt, Naomi, very kindly explained, Sean, there is dolphin the fish and dolphin the mammal. Dolphin the fish is also known as mahi-mahi, and that's on the menu. 
Dolphin the mammal, known as Flipper, is not on the menu. <laughs> I was grateful for the explanation, and I was able to go back in the restaurant a little bit embarrassed, but still enjoy a good meal. Now, but as traumatic as that was, it was even more traumatic for me to see a National Geographic report on Asian fishermen killing dolphins when they get caught in their nets. When I read that, I was sad and I was angry. And I wanted to rescue dolphins. I was totally committed to it. But here's the thing. I didn't actually do anything to promote that cause. I, 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 was, I fully believed in it. I was fully committed to it. But I didn't do anything to join the movement of seeing something change, being part of that cause. I was committed emotionally. But, and, and even on principle, but I wasn't doing anything to foster a change. Now, over time as I grew up, I, I moved past my desire to be a marine biologist, obviously gave up that along the way. But I did step into wanting to honor God and be part of his bigger story. And when I did that, I began to invest differently. I, I, I looked at gathering with the church differently, and I started to study more intentionally, and, and, and I knew Sunday school answers, and I was all in and committed, and I lived my faith uh, out of the belief that I had as a beacon of my faith. And but yet I struggled at times with a sense of just feeling dry and stale spiritually. And maybe you've struggled with that before in your life. For me, I was wrestling with the question of, is this really all there is? Is this all that it means to, to, to be a follower of Jesus? And the problem was, there actually was more, but I had stopped with belief. But believing is just the beginning. See, we're wired to be part of something much bigger than ourselves. We, we desire to have significance. We want our lives to count. In fact, we can even ask ourselves the question, will our lives actually count? When, our years are, when we lived our years and we get to the end, will we have made a difference? But the truth is, when we receive Jesus as Savior and Lord and we begin to follow God, we're inherently now included in a movement that can make a difference. In fact, a true disciple of Jesus is a relevant part of the movement. A true disciple of Jesus is a relevant part of the movement. But here's the deal. We can step into belief and then start to just feel our emotions and our passions start to fade and joy to start to dissipate because we're not a relevant part of the movement. I was totally committed to the dolphin cause, just as I was totally committed to my faith. But in, in, in neither either one of those, I did not live out that cause in an expression that, that was part of a movement. I built a monument of belief to it. It wasn't part of a movement. I was sincere. In fact, in my sincerity, I actually built the monument more around me than about the cause, my belief. Even in my faith, I wanted to make a difference, but I wasn't translating my belief. I stopped the belief, and I didn't translate it to actually being part of a movement. I wanted to run, so to speak, a spiritual race. And I was preparing. I was training. I was even showing up to the track. But I, never was, I was never stepping into the race itself and running that race. And many of us approach our spiritual lives the same way. And then we get frustrated that our spiritual journey and our faith isn't what we thought it could be or what we heard that it could be. But the reality is most of us are just one bold move away from a breakthrough. And a true disciple is a relevant part of a movement. As a kid, my faith was sincere, but it was stunted. You know what the root cause of that was? It was about me. I built a monument of belief and faith to God that was about me, and that was it. I was a believer. I wasn't a follower. There's a difference. To be a believer, it involves head and heart. To be a follower, it's head, heart, hands, and feet. 
Followers engage in bold moves. Believers don't. And I was living more as a believer than a follower. I would obey to a point, but then I would stop short of risking bigger in my relationship with God. I believed head and heart, but I didn't translate it. I I wasn't stepping into those bold moves. In fact, the same thing happened with the dolphins. If I really wanted to make a difference in that cause, I needed to be willing to go and impact that cause and even pack up and move to Asia to make a difference. Until I would do that, I was only living around a monument, a monument of belief. But belief is just the beginning. And stepping into a movement leads us into that following reality and what God calls us to in our relationship with him. And if you've ever felt empty or stale in your spiritual journey, feel like the passion and excitement's gone a bit, there could be lots of reasons for that, but one of the primary and more common reasons is not being part of a movement. Stopping short of belief and not stepping into being a relevant part of the movement. Maybe you have been building a monument in your own journey with God, and he's been crying out and asking you to step into a movement. Because there's more than belief. Belief is just the beginning There's more. In fact, the more translates to living like Jesus. Here's how the disciple John, he's one of the 12 disciples, the disciple Jesus loved, he talked about it this way. He said, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. See, John is saying belief is just the beginning. If we're going to step into being a follower, it's got to move into the next reality of being part of a movement. In fact, we spent the last four weeks unpacking this concept, and I'm not going to teach it again. You can get online to see it, but I want you to understand something. When we love God, we will love others. And we relate to God as we know him, love him, trust him, and obey him. This is how we live in relationship with God. And that then translates into risking and serving and knowing and loving others. We need both. You can't have one without the other. Here's the reality. If we trust, we will risk. If we obey, we will serve. And then our love for God is made complete. That's what John just finished saying. Our love is completed in that action. Now, it will take risk. It will take sacrifice. That's why God calls his people to real sacrifice for great purpose. This is why he does that. God calls his people to real sacrifice for great purpose. The church should be the catalyst of goodness and love and hope in the world, but far too often the church becomes a place of retreat, a place of hiding, a storehouse of tradition in the past instead of a life-changing movement. But if we're going to be part of a movement of God, it's going to lead to breakthroughs. And those breakthroughs are often things that we think are out of reach or even impossible. But remember who God says he is. In Jeremiah 32, here's what he said. He says, behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? The answer to that question, my friends, is no. Nothing's too hard for him. He is the God of the impossible. And often the movement he wants to start rests in the ability of one person to have the courage to sacrifice. If just one person would take and have that courage to sacrifice and step in bold obedience, he could create and move through cities and families and neighborhoods and regions in a powerful movement. It just takes one person to step in bold obedience. 
Let me illustrate this for you in a very simple concept, in, in a, in a one-minute commercial that illustrates how one simple investment can lead to a movement. Take a look. When it's people who do the right thing, they call it being responsible. When it's an insurance company, they call it Liberty Mutual. Oh, man, listen, that's brilliant marketing. The idea of a simple investment leading to a movement. And the, the idea that an insurance company gets that is really a, an opportunity for us as a church to realize we should get that. This is how we should function. One, one of the beautiful things about that commercial for me is not just a person gets helped by someone willing to do it, it's that somebody watching is impacted. That, that causes somebody else to step in and make another bold move or, or take a courageous action. It extends to others. And the reality is all it takes often is just one person willing to have the courage to sacrifice one group of people, one church, to see something change. But far too often people of faith end up building monuments instead of stepping into movements. But if we're truly a disciple of Jesus, we're going to be a relevant part of a movement. And that actually positions us to respond to what God wants. It's not reactionary, it's responsive. In fact, you're still tracking in your note guide. The next fill-in relates to that. Specifically, the bold moves are not reactive. They're not reactive to the challenge. They are responsive to the things of God. They res they're, they're responsive out of that lower part of the graphic that, that as we hang with God and relate to Him, we respond to the things around us. And we step into bold move opportunities. It's not rash and reactive. It's based in that trust and obedience that allows us to respond to the things that God's bringing before us for his glory and purpose. Now, there's lots of examples of this in Scripture, lots of different stories. In fact, when we started the bold move conversation, we looked at the Israelites and their journey to the promised land. Joshua and Moses, powerful story. But I don't want to go back to that part of the narrative. I want to go to a different part of Scripture, a place that's a little more obscure and a little less known. It's a part of Scripture we looked at more than two years ago, but it's still one of my favorite sections of Scripture. So if you've got a Bible, I'd love for you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 14. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. The key Scriptures will be on the screen and in your guide. But the whole story is in 1 Samuel 14, and this is a moment where a bold move leads to a movement. Let me just paint the scenario for you for a moment. The Israelites are at war with a group of people called the Philistines. And the king of Israel, who is Saul, who is the first king of Israel, he will reign for 40 years. He is gathered under a pomegranate tree, 600 warriors, and they're just hanging out. Because not far from there, a Philistine garrison has secured a pass. And it's a tense standoff moment. When out of nowhere, Saul's son Jonathan turns to his armor bearer. And his armor bearer is his servant who carries his weapons, his armor, helps him get ready. He turns to his armor bearer and he says, let's go over to that outpost of the Philistines. Now, that may seem like no big deal, but he was positioning himself in proximity to a much larger force that was in a defensive position that had the high ground and had far more weapons than he did. Because if we read in 1 Samuel 13, we find out that in all of the Israelite army, there were only two swords. 
Saul had one, and Jonathan had the other. Everybody else had farm implements and tools. And so this, this scenario was an impossible scenario that Jonathan was starting to lean into. Yet he makes a bold move. It even involved a precarious journey to this location. Take a look at verse 4 in 1 Samuel 14. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Bozes, the other called Sena. One cliff stood to the north toward Michmash, the other toward the south, south toward Geba. So from, from every perspective, what Jonathan really sought to do was kind of ridiculous. Yet he makes a bold move. He even turns to his armor bearer, and here's what he says. Come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Now, Jonathan's offering up some truth here, but this is bold move stuff. These are the kinds of things that lead to God-sized movements. In fact, Jonathan starts this movement with the courage to risk, out of a love for God, responding, not reacting to the situation. He's responding. And he takes that first step, and then it ripples to the armor bearer. Take a look at verse 7. The armor bearer says, Do all that you have in mind. Go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. And a movement begins. And most of us are just one bold move away from a breakthrough. You see, everything that Jonathan was trying to lean into here was actually unrealistic to a degree. It, it was, you could even count it absurd. Anybody with common sense would have said, don't do this, this is not going to go well. But the reality is God is not limited to our expectations or even what's possible. Which really positioned Jonathan to be able to live differently and respond differently. Jonathan actually knew something that allowed him to risk. He understood that trust leads to risk. He understood that obedience leads to serving. And he understood that the complexity that he faced within humanity was no match for the power of God when he's responding to relationship with God, responding to the character of God. No matter what he faced, the impossibilities of the world are, are nothing compared to what God can bring to bear in those equations. And so he was willing to step boldly into it, knowing that there was some difficulty, but he could step with confidence that God was going before him, that God would continue to go before him. He knew that he could risk and take that bold move because he was responding to relationship and responding to a leadership of God in his life. So here's their, their plan. Their plan was to get as close as they could to the Philistine outpost and then reveal themselves. And if the enemy said, wait, they would wait. If the enemy said, come on up, then they would take that as a sign from God that they could go up and fight. And so they got as close as they could, and they stuck their heads up. The Philistines saw them and were like, hey, come on up here. We're going to teach you a lesson. And Jonathan then at that moment turns to his armor bearer and says, "Woohoo! God has delivered them into our hands. Let's go. And he starts climbing up the hill on all fours because it's so steep, and his armor bearer is right behind him. Now keep in mind, he's attacking a larger force uphill in a defensive position with one sword. Yet he succeeds. They defeat 20 Philistine warriors. It's amazing. But here's where the movement starts to take hold. It's where the movement shifts into high gear. Because as they do this, it rallies the Israelite army. See, they, the army here, they're under the pomegranate tree. They hear what's going on. And they figure, hey, somebody's over there. Who's over there? They call a formation. They find out it's Jonathan and the armor bearer. And then they rally up to actually step into the battle. If we jump to verse 20, here's what we can read. This is not in your guide, it's just up here. 
Then Saul and all of his men assembled and went to the battle. They found the Philistines in total confusion, striking each other with their swords. That's a great way to win a fight. Let them fight amongst themselves. But here's where this, this gets really interesting for me. Those Hebrews, those Israelites who had previously been with the Philistines and had gone up with them to their camp. Defectors. People who had abandoned their own people went over to the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. That's amazing. But it doesn't stop there. We keep reading. When all the Israelites who had hidden in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were on the run, they joined the battle in hot pursuit. So you got the betrayers and the scaredy cats coming back into this equation. Because a bold move leads to breakthrough, and sometimes it only takes one to start that movement that God wants to have. And so there's this beautiful reconciliation thing happening in the midst of this complexity. So on that day, the Lord saved Israel, and the battle moved on beyond beth This is a phenomenal moment in the journey of the people of God, and it's a perfect illustration for what happens when we step in bold move obedience, when we're willing to risk out of love for God and obedience to him, and how he moves before us. Most of us are just one bold move away from a breakthrough, my friends. Now, I share all that because many people build monuments. They end up waiting under pomegranate trees, and they miss being part of the miraculous. They miss being part of the movement because they're focused on building monuments. And yet, here's the reality. I look around here at Heritage Day, and I know across our network, hundreds of people are gathered who all of them have incredible potential in Jesus. Look around. Here at Rock Island, Bettendorf, look around at, Rock, at your campus. Kiwani guys, jump in and look around there. Everybody you see has incredible potential in Jesus. You have incredible potential in Jesus. You don't have to settle for building monuments. You can be part of a movement. But the reality is many of you are stuck in burdens. You're stuck in worry or fear. You're struggling with brokenness. You're struggling with addictions. You're, you're struggling with things because you don't understand that God wants to overcome those realities in your life if you would just make a bold move of obedience. If you would just step, he would show up. He wants to, he wants to use you and that struggle you've been in for more. They're just hills to take and battles to fight which is why we increasingly need to lean into a forward-leaning posture like Jonathan with faith and courage to make a bold move and say, perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. It takes just one person, one church, for God to begin to move in powerful ways. This whole scenario in 1 Samuel 14, this thing was doomed to fail if God didn't show up, but that's exactly what he did. And because he did, it, it rallied the army, it led to a great victory, and it led to that beautiful reconciliation of brokenness between a people, or people who had abandoned or betrayed or, or reconciled back to their own people. And whatever you face, God can make you victorious today. God can use your example to motivate people. God can reconcile broken relationships, even ones that are marked by failure, betrayal, or abandonment. If you would just be willing to make a bold move of obedience, if you'd just be willing like Jonathan instead of waiting like Saul. You realize what Saul was doing under the pomegranate tree? Out of worry about what it might cost him, he was building a monument. But Jonathan couldn't help himself. The only thing he could do was lean expectantly into a what-if scenario 
because he was willing and therefore going. Most of us are one bold move away from a breakthrough. Listen, I want to be really honest with you, especially for those of you that are guests with us or new to the Heritage family. I love that you're here, but if you're going to be a part of the Heritage family, you're inherently going to be part of a movement. We are a church that's committed to remaining in a posture of being willing. Committed to do anything and everything God asks us. Because every time we do, he shows up and he does amazing things that we can't explain except by his hand. And I love it. In fact, here's what I want to do. I want to take a moment and I want to celebrate some of those things that he's been doing in response to our bold moves. I want to invite you to watch this video that just captures a bit of what God has done in response to our bold moves of obedience just over the past 12 months. Take a look.
Man, we serve a great God. Every time we step in obedience, he removes great obstacles. That bold obedience leads to movements that we can't explain except by his hand. And we're, we're talking about all of this because there are more bold moves ahead to see the will of God done and his kingdom advance. Some of those, many of them, will require greater sacrifice and greater courage. As God leads us into new places where most people don't want to go, just like Jonathan and the armor bearer. See, it was just a, a few years ago that we as a church would have identified that we had two specific and primary expressions here in the cities that represented who we were as a church family. But over the last few years, as we've taken steps of bold moves in response to what he wanted, we have actually moved from just two to being on the verge of nine primary expressions in these cities and beyond. We've gone from two campus locations to four, and we're on the verge of our fifth in our next bold move. Now, in January, we started talking about these bold moves in the context of nine bold moves. And since that time, we have incrementally and intentionally been moving towards accomplishing them. And I want to give you an update on where we're at with each of them. When it comes to our campuses at Rock Island, Bettendorf, Vita Nueva, and even Kiwani Center, God continues to allow us to see life change there. In our older campuses, we're taking in intentional resources and effort to revitalize and repurpose spaces to create better environments for people to encounter Jesus. It is not about buildings. It is about spaces for people to encounter the love of God, step into relationship with Jesus, and live out their purpose on mission with him. Our Kiwani Center reality, we continue to see more men engaging in our church family from that facility, and I absolutely love it. We're engaged in the Rock Island County Jail where we're seeing people make decisions for Jesus and then walk a journey of discipleship. It's amazing. We're living out Matthew 25 in really cool ways. Beyond that, we're engaged in two specific schools. One is the Jefferson Elementary School in Davenport, and the other is Thurgood Marshall High School in Rock Island. In both locations, we are able to feed people who don't have access to food. We're able to love and serve in a way that we're meeting real needs. We're sharing the love of Jesus we're loving on students. We're loving on teachers. At the Jefferson Elementary School, we recently provided 465 earbuds to each student so that they can use technology they already had without the distraction of that same technology from their, stu their fellow students beside them. It's something small, but it's huge to their learning and journey. Even the Thurgood Marshall journey, it's early, but we're, we're feeding 70 people every other week. Beyond that, at the Esperanza Center, this thing has continued to go like gangbusters. We're partnered with more than 17 organizations out of that space. And just in the last season, God has allowed us to connect with almost 50 families in a journey around legal issues. And our legal assistance center has had four, not three, four approved cases. That's amazing. Now, that allows us to honor government authority about still loving people. And keep in mind, immigration's an issue. Immigrants are people. We don't treat them the same. God's allowing us to take his love into places that many people don't want to go, but he's allowing us to do it, and he's moving in mighty ways. One of the next places we believe he wants to do that is through a regional hub. It's our next bold move, we're calling it. It's the biggest of them all, and, and for us, it's the acquisition and repurposing of the former Kone building to allow it to be a, a regional hub as a center, a center of intercession and prayer, a center of multiplication where we're investing in leadership training and development and education, a center of reconciliation where we're addressing the broken systems of our region and also a center of collaboration where we're in partnership with other organizations and churches. We've been in a very intentional conversation 
to lean into acquisition of that building. And I want to say thank you for those of you who have been praying and those of you who have been waiting to know what's going on. We have started a conversation where we offer what we think is an appropriate price for that facility and the, and the seller would like to see more money. That left us in a bit of a standoff journey, but I want to tell you this week we're having multiple significant meetings that will lead that negotiation to a close. I asked you in January to be praying about that journey. I knew it could take time, and it has. But we have been in a process of just listening to God and seeking to do what he says. And this week, with myself, leadership of the church, and other people involved, there are some very specific meetings that will lead this negotiation to a conclusion. And I want to ask you to re-engage in your prayer for this reality, this next bold move. It's critical. In fact, all of these things have a kingdom potential that is immeasurable. And if you want more information about what they are and where they're at, you can go to heritagequc.com forward slash bold dash moves. You get testimonies there, more information about what's happening and even previous conversations around the bold moves. But when we started this journey in January, we culminated around our conversation with the Israelites and Joshua and crossing the Jordan into the next by, by providing stones that look wet on one side and dry on the other as a prayer reminder and if you missed that conversation, you can find it online, but I want to encourage you to still be able to grab a stone as a prayer reminder, and they're available in each of the campus spaces. I also encourage you, if you haven't taken an opportunity to partner, you haven't taken an opportunity to partner in prayer or financially or through gift and kind or even helping us connect to the right people, I want to encourage you to do that. You can find a card out in your lobby next to where you find the stones. You can also go online to that website that I identified and be able to partner there. But as we continue to step forward, what the Israelites did is they crossed the Jordan in a, in a bold move of obedience. They then built an altar to acknowledge and remember what God had done. And as we continue in this journey, I want to highlight an important reality. That when, when we build monuments, we remember. When we build monuments, we remember. We remember what happened. We remember God's faithfulness. We learn lessons from before. We want to do that. But any time looking backwards becomes the focus, now we're out of, we're out of sync with what God's really asking. Because most of the time when an organization gets to one point, the thing that got them there will not get them to the next. It often becomes the limiting factor to getting to the next level. And if you recall, there were two tribes in Israel who never lived in the promised land because they chose to stay in land they had rather than move into the land God prepared. We don't want to be that people. We can build monuments to remember, but that's not the point. When we build monuments, we remember, but when we build movements, we obey. We obey, and we want to obey. Because when we obey, he reveals himself to us and positions us to live and walk with him in increasing ways, more intimate ways. We want to obey. You know, there's a difference between monuments and movements. There's just a difference between two letters. <laughs> just two letters in difference. But worlds apart in implications. You know, on a side note, should the Lord allow us to acquire the Kone facility, it is not our intent to elevate our identity as Heritage Church, or to put our name on that tower. We want to make this about Jesus. In fact, the intent right now is to change two letters at the top of that tower. To change Kone on one side to hope, and Kone on the other side to love. Just by changing two letters. That's the point, that's the focus. That's the reason we're seeking to step into that bold move and to see a movement of God where this region, <laughs> these cities, are transformed. I can't wait to see what God's going to do in that next season. But this vision is not about heritage getting bigger. This is about the kingdom going further. It's not about us building monuments. It's about us building movements, being part of a movement, actually starting something that ultimately outlasts us. 
Monuments point. Movements advance. And God wants us to invest in movements, not monuments. And that's our heartbeat behind this. We're going to talk more about that next week as we continue in our conversation. But I want to move to so what by asking a simple question. What's your next bold move? What's your next bold move? You have one. It may be a personal bold move in a, in a work dynamic or a relationship or an opportunity. It may be around salvation. You've never given your heart to Jesus, and that's your next bold move, to surrender to his authority. And if, if that's you, there's some steps and a prayer in your note guide. You can have that conversation here today right now. There are personal bold moves, but then there's corporate bold moves. And those corporate bold moves, they, they position us to be the, like the armor bearer and say to Jesus, do all that you have in mind. We are with you heart and soul. So what's your next bold move? You have one. You actually may have a series of next bold moves, but it starts by taking the first step, making that first bold move action. As a young Christian, man, I, I, I was building monuments in my faith until God changed my thinking. And, and, and once I stepped into being part of a movement, it didn't suddenly all work out. I, I didn't get everything right. I still don't get everything right. But every time I step in the right direction, I find greater joy and peace and expectancy for what God wants to do. And you have a next bold move. And I wonder what it is. One of the ways that you can most impact what's happening here is through prayer. And on the back of the note guide, once again, the bold move prayers that I'm inviting you to be praying I ask you to pray more specifically earlier around one of the bold moves, but I want to encourage you to re-engage in a prayerful posture around these bold move prayers. They reflect the heart behind what we're doing and why we're doing it, and prayer changes things. And when we step obediently, like Jonathan, it doesn't just impact us, it impacts those around us and those watching, those who are looking in on what we're doing, whether it's an act of kindness or a bold, courageous action at a mountain pass. Bold moves create an unstoppable movement. They rally an army. They can rally a nation. That's the power of what bold moves can do. So what's your next bold move? I realize that often that means there's an impossibility in front of you, something that seems out of reach. But God wants to help you with that. But you have to do your part. And as you step in a bold move of obedience, God brings his power to bear. As we stand with a posture of saying, perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. I invite you to do that personally and corporately with us as we continue to chase the things of God. So let's take a moment, let's pray together as we step back towards worship through song. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your pursuit of us. I thank you that through Jesus we can have a relationship with you and then we're positioned to be part of a movement. Lord, I pray that you would help us to live as a relevant part of the movements that you put in front of us, a, a movement that brings you honor and glory. It is about you and your kingdom. I thank you for the things you have already done in and through us as a church. I know you're not done because, Lord, we're not done being willing to risk. We're not done being willing to step obediently into whatever you have for us. So, Father, I pray that you would continue to go before us. I pray that you would continue to lead. I pray that you would direct our steps. We want to hear you and obey you in every arena. So Lord Jesus, as we spend time individually processing, through, processing a bit more our next bold moves, individually and corporately, may you lead. May you receive all glory, honor, and praise. I love you. I pray these things in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen.